welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of love, family, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, the co-founder of Finless Publishing, husband, father of nine, author, fly fisherman, backpacker, and aspirational musician based in the Central Valley of California. We hope to bring you nourishing, real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now, again, we're thrilled to introduce today's guest, Sean Thompson. As we've said before, Sean is a former world champion surfer and has been described as one of the greatest and most influential surfers of all time. He is an inductee in the U.S., Jewish, and South African sports halls of fame. Sean is also a world-renowned leadership mentor, entrepreneur, environmentalist, and best-selling author. We're discussing the duality and faith from his most recent book, The Surfer and the Sage, How to Survive and Ride Life's Waves, that he co-wrote with philosopher-poet Noah Ben-Shia. As we've said before, and we've been, he's been so gracious to join us, Sean has been generous to agree to a series of podcasts throughout this year, and we invite you to reflect and learn how to survive and ride life's ways from this world champion. The information shared today aligns with the familiar 10 Habits of Happy Families. You can learn more about the Familias 10 Habits of Happy Families by going to the Habit Hub blog on Familias.com. Again, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. It's great to be here uh, once again. Christopher, speaking about journey that I've had and also journey that the reader can have in the context of uh, our little book of 18 chapters, with each chapter being a duality of what one experiences in life and how, how to move from the negative to the positive. That's what the structure of the book's all about, how to move from negative to positive, just based on the guidebook that Noah and I lay out for you. It's a book of perspective, not prescription. <laughs> and so I think everyone understands doubt. I mean, we, we have doubts in our life, I, and we need to move beyond that. But let's make sure we define faith, since we're do, doing the duality of doubt and faith. When I, when I think about faith, I can think about faith from a religious point of view, also can think of it from a secular point of view. And how I've defined faith is that it's belief in something that you can't see, but is true. And so from a secular point of view, I can think I can have faith that I can start a company. I, it requires action on my part to then do that, to then create a company. From a religious point of view, it's different. I have faith that God exists and that uh, he loves and cares for me. And so when you speak about doubt and faith in this chapter, help us understand the framework and the context from which you're coming. So I think faith is both implicitly and explicitly connected from a religious and a secular perspective. I mean, I think there's a synthesis between a religion and kind of a secular perspective in terms of it's a foundation on which we build our lives and a foundation on which we build our world. So for me, religious observance is really just a way that we connect with our faith. And whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Mormon, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a, a, a Christian, we all have different. We all have different clothing, but underneath, we're the same in terms of how we relate to that one God or to that energy that we believe controls the world and is responsible for the world staying 
on its axis. So it's faith is, as I see it, is definitely not, it's not a knowledge. It's very, it's unknowable. It is, but still, even though it's unknowable, it's still, it's the keel upon which the boat that we ride through life rolls. That's a good analogy, a keel. So we don't see the keel when we're in the boat, but certainly we can feel its effects. And yes, I don't describe it that way in the book, but I do talk in the book about water and waves and this inexorable power and riptides and currents that flow us through life. And I think that faith, that keel keeps us in the direction of where we want to go. And it's done that for me for my entire life since I really became aware of, of religion and faith and hope from when I first set foot in the synagogue. I'm a Jew to when I had my bar mitzvah when I was 13 years old to when I went back to that same synagogue when I lost my son. In the book, I talk about how I'd lost my faith. I'd lost my belief. I thought that my God had deserted me. How could I lose my child? How could he take my child away from me? I was a good person. I always try to be a good person. And how did I find that hope again? How did I find that Faith again, well, I went back to my old synagogue and I sat there and I looked up at the, the ark, which contains the Torah, which are the five books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, of the Christian Bible, the Jewish Bible. And right above it, in every synagogue, there's a lamp. In Hebrew, it's called Ner Tamid. means the lamp of everlasting light. And that light is really representative of faith. That's the faith, I think, of all religions, there's always that light that burns inside us that gives us hope, gives us meaning, gives us reason, gives us optimism. It's like eternal North Star. That's what I think that's what faith is, and that's what faith is to me. So that's losing your son and, and the story in the book about how you lost and then regained your faith is a It's a very powerful and inspirational story. Help us as the audience. What do you recommend we do when when we doubt? When we we life becomes such such a challenge, and life requires us to keep going. How can you help us from what you've learned to move toward faith in ourselves, faith in a higher power, faith in others? Yeah, that's a very difficult question to answer because I think every single one of of us have had those. Those moments of like doubt, those moments of disconnection from, from purpose, from those moments when our optimism has been turned to pessimism, when the light has been turned to darkness, and especially in the wake of grief and loss, terrible, terrible loss, I can only say what has worked for me, and I can only talk about. My experience, certainly there's many wonderful books on, on how to deal with doubt and how to deal with grief and how to deal with, with loss. For, for me, th- this is what I did. There was, firstly, there's this acceptance, acceptance for the situation you're in, acceptance for the reality of the situation. Then there's, a, I think, a process of forgiveness. Uh, one has to forgive oneself. One has to forgive others. One has to just be unconditionally forgiving of 
this moment that you've come to in your life, this cataclysmic moment, then I think there is a time of reaching out to friends, to professional people, and also to religious figures, whether it's a rabbi, a priest, a minister, whatever that person who's imbued with kind of faith and religiosity, because they can bring you their their experience. And in the book, I talk about a blinding bolt of light. And I don't really go into very much detail on, on it. But what happened was we were, we were in a hospital. My, my wife was doing very badly, as, I, as was I after our loss. And we're in, in this room and Carla's, my wife's mom was there and I was there. And a friend walked in the room. And Matthew, our son, his name meant gift from God in Hebrew, had passed away about uh, three weeks before maybe. And this person walked into the room and he said, hey, I have a, he'd also lost a son about a year before. And he'd been to see a, a wonderful woman who was a grief counselor, but she was also a Swami, a woman who was really connected to, I think, the past, the present, and future, and, and connected between worlds. And uh, he said, I have a message from Matthew. And one bolt of lightning, one bolt of lightning hit that hospital, bang, and shook it to its core out of a clear blue sky, Christopher. I looked out the window. There was not one cloud in the sky. And it was, wasn't a time. This was like May, most probably the most stable month of the year for weather in, in South Africa. So this bolt of lightning came from somewhere. And for me, I know it came from God. And that was like the spark that I think gave me back my faith and dispelled the doubt. Because doubt is darkness. And it, you know, when I think about that moment in retrospect, it was a wonderful moment. And for all of us, when we have doubt, look, look, and look deeply. And when you see a sign, that sign is not a coincidence. Because I think whoever your God is, or maybe, I believe there's just one creator for all of us, he or she, or there will be a sign. And look in nature. So yes, I've said you have to be accepting. You have to be forgiving. You have to go out there and look for help from friends, rekindle those relationships, look for help for professional people and religious people. Also, look for signs and help in nature. Just walk in nature. Watch that sunrise come up. And when you see that sunrise come up or sunset, you will know that that warmth and glow, which epitomizes the cover of our book. The book is a sunrise and it represents this light that shines ahead. It represents that tomorrow there will be a new day and there'll be a new dawn and we'll be filled with that warmth and that warmth, that connectivity to nature can help dispel doubt and faithlessness. I think that is, again, wonderful. You said a number of things that I think are helpful. I'd like to just conclude with reminding our audience of a couple of them. The first one is you said acceptance. I've had many conversations with our psychologist authors, and it's a common denominator that they say that those people with whom they're counseling and working with, those who can accept the reality of where they are right now are able to move forward. And those who cannot accept it, they continue to stay in place. It's so important for us to be able to accept the truth of where we are and be able to move from that. Absolutely, Christopher. It's really simple. What is not what if, what is, 
not what if. Because if you get caught in that downward spiral, well, what if I'd done this? What if I'd said that? What if I hadn't done this? What if this person hadn't done that? It's, you get caught in that spiral. I like to think it's a downward spiral of despair. And when I think of this sort of realization of acceptance and being caught in that down, downward spiral of despair, you know, I, I think back to my athletic days as a competitor. And yes, it's not really aligned with grief, but it is aligned with this downward cycle. And, and, and what can happen when you're an athlete and you start losing? And it might be because you're not fit enough. It might be because you're, for me, like maybe the surfboard's not going that well, or maybe your mindset's not right. So you try something different and you put more pressure on yourself. I've got to win. I've got to win. And you try something else different and you put more pressure on yourself. And eventually you get caught in this despair and anxiety and you just start spinning downwards. And it's not dissimilar when you can't accept reality and you get caught in this cycle of conjecture. You get caught in this cycle that just leads to despair. And you know, it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of fortitude. It takes absolute extreme, extreme effort to accept. Like for me, I had to accept that I would never, ever be able to to hug my beautiful boy again. It was destroying. But rather have that pain in the beginning on the road to forgiveness and acceptance rather than have the pain be endless. And that's what I did. And then also, I think it's, it's wonderful to do two things. One is, which is good for the soul. Maybe three things is, yes, you get out in nature, but do something that is physical, physicality, whatever your sport may be, do that. And then help others, whatever that might be, mentoring, teaching, uh, doing worthwhile projects, getting involved with an NGO that, that I might do something. And then create an inspirational project that is in memory of the, of the person you lost. Now, when I tell you this stuff, Christopher, this is not imagination. This is what I did. When I go through all of these things, I am telling you, I didn't read a report or a research paper, and this is what you should do. I'm talking from hard times. I'm talking about my way forward from doubt and darkness. So when I say this is perhaps what you should do, I'm just giving you my perspective. This is what I did. I uh, brought up my, my book that you published, Surface Code. That book, I don't know if you remember, but I phoned you up and I said, let's not print it now. I phoned you up. We stopped the printing. We didn't print it. And then I wrote an epilogue. So that book came out as a, as a memorial and a memory to my boy Matthew. And remember, I wrote the, rewrote the, the, the front always in my heart. And like you said, the light shines ahead. That was the first book that we did together. And then I made a movie. I made Busting Down the Door. One of the, I'm very honored that it's one of the recognized one of the greatest surfing films ever. So I did stuff and doing stuff. I didn't just let that grief wash over me and crush me down and pull me down into that riptide. I got up and viewed myself with that sunrise that the sun's going to rise again. 
it sounds hard. I'm sure many in our audience have, have had very difficult moments in their life. Acceptance, have faith to keep going, look to help others, find the beauty in the world, find the signs that God exists and loves, and that things will will continue, things will improve. Giving of oneself is a great way, it's a balm to our soul. Well, this has been, again, very moving and wonderful, and hopefully our audience is, is from what you've shared and your difficult experience are finding ways that they can go through their tough times, because we've all had challenging times, and we will all have challenging times. No one gets out of this life without challenge. And, and Christopher, you know, I've, I've got to say, when we all put this book together and Noah and I wrote our thoughts and, you know, you made this this beautiful book. And when I look at the book and for anyone out there that maybe you don't want to buy the book or you, you don't have the money to buy the book and you're feeling down, just look at the cover. On the cover is an amazingly beautiful representation of a sunrise. And there's a silhouette of me from 1976. I'm standing there with a surfboard under my arm and I'm looking out at the sunrise. And do you know what I'm doing? I'm looking out for the next wave. And that's what this book's about. This book's about your next wave. So let's get that next wave. There's many more behind it and they have both awesome power and great joy in them, don't they? (laughs) Well, again, thank you so much, Sean, for taking time with us. It's always fantastic to speak with you and learn from you. As we conclude today's podcast, we'd again like to thank Familias for their support and bringing the podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familias, hopefully The Surfer and the Sage. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. <laughs>